Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Jake Pickett, Director of Integrated Marketing at Ruoff Mortgage. Jake, it's great to have you on the show. Great to meet you, and thanks for having me on, Jeremy. You're quite welcome. So tell us about your background in marketing and a little bit about Ruoff. Sure, I'd love to. I didn't major in marketing. If you'd asked me when I was in high school what I was going to do, I didn't. I wasn't involved in much of the business classes or anything like that. Came from a teaching and coaching household, so I always thought it'd probably going to be a gym teacher and coach, and that was kind of my my love was sports. Went to college, first year of college, didn't declare a major, so let's see what's out there. And as I was going through the list of majors, I went to Ball State University, and as mm -hmm. I was going through the list of majors, I came across sport administration. I thought, oh, wow, you can actually like major in sports. I don't know what the administration <laughs> side means, but I want to do sports. So, um, so majored in that, took some marketing classes and really kind of enjoyed those as far as the, you know, different classes that we took in the curriculum and um, really had my heart set on working in professional sports that I would get into, you know, minor league baseball or college sports. And that was until I did a couple internships in minor league baseball and realized I love baseball, but I didn't want to make a living doing mm. that. It's, you know, I know some really, really great people who do awesome, awesome work in minor league baseball, still friends with a lot of people I did internships with, but it wasn't for me. And, but through that, I connected with an agency in Indianapolis called Just Marketing International or JMI. And they were a motorsports marketing agency that wasn't very old. And it was an opportunity to, to travel, to work in sports, but in a different capacity than I even knew existed. So that's what kind of opened my eyes to marketing and in particular, sponsorship marketing, experiential marketing, getting the product in people's hands, and then guerrilla grassroots marketing, just stuff you can come up with and have fun and, and be disruptive with. So was introduced to all of the types of marketing, but then also the hospitality and, and client service side really was something I enjoyed as well. So really had a great, great start to my career. I find myself very lucky to be able to still tell stories and, and actually still draw upon some of those experiences now, things I learned and did very early on in my career. And a lot of people that I worked with in the racing industry, I still am connected with now that Ruoff has got a sponsorship, which we can talk about that a little bit as well. So that was kind of the first I would say half of my career I was there. And then I worked, moved on to a couple of more traditional type agencies when I re relocated. And that's where I started learning about, you know, print and, and video and social media was just starting to emerge as an advertising opportunity. Before that, it was just, you know, social media wasn't a data and ad platform. So really started learning, you know, digital marketing and, and things like that. So after about 10 years in the agency side, I moved over to the corporate side and uh, worked at Sweetwater Sound for six years before coming over to Ruoff a few months ago. And um, I, I love that Right now, my title, Director of Integrating Marketing, is doing just that. It's integrating on a personal level all of the different experiences I've had, all the different so, learnings and, and people I've connected with and learned from. Basically, draw all that together and integrate it into a marketing department that um, not only gets our name out there through sponsorships and interacting with consumers and you know on the experiential side, but we also have traditional and digital as well. So getting to mix all that up has been just a really cool opportunity. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks for that overview. And you mentioned Sweetwater before we started recording. We were talking about that. That's just I love Sweetwater. And in fact, the mic I'm using right now I got from Sweetwater. All all my gear I get from there. They're they're just really awesome. Just little shout out to Sweetwater. But anyway, Incredible so um, company. yeah. No. Uh, great. Really great company. So and now 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 you're in the mortgage mortgage business, mm -hmm. and you know 
lot of players in that space. And I would think one of the big challenges has got to be how do you, you know, how do you differentiate in your marketing? Because I, you know, like most people, I get a lot of stuff from mortgage lenders and whatever. And they all kind of look that whenever I get them, they all sort of look the same to me and have like similar messaging and all that stuff. So, you know, as a marketer, what are some things that you guys do to try to cut through that noise? Like you mentioned sponsorships. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we can talk about, but I'd just love to hear, you know, generally, like, how do you, how do you deal with the fact that I think for a lot of just people out there, you're like one mortgage lender kind of seems like everyone else. Yeah. So coming from the agency side, I've been, had the opportunity to learn just a wide, wide range of industries. So being in the racing industry, we had clients in all types of different industries and types of businesses. And then moving on to the more traditional agencies, I still managed everything from, gosh, every type of company you could think of, from healthcare to recreation and sports and communications, lots of different areas. So I think the advantage of that is now that I'm for the first time in my career in one singular industry, because even at Sweetwater, we talked a little bit about how it wasn't just Sweetwater. There was a variety of companies there as well. So being able to look back at the various companies I've been involved with and, and working for some really, really smart brand managers for very, very successful companies and then being their agency. So learning from them just as much as I was able to share, share back. So what we've taken from that is just finding ways to stand out. And how do you do that? Well, you you look for ways to, I don't want to overuse the word disruptive, but one of the things we like to do is make sure that we're not just, you know, copying and pasting from previous ads or copying and pasting from um, campaigns that we've run before. Let's think about the questions that have been asked and answered a thousand ways on the internet. How can we um, rephrase that question and then educate the consumer so that they understand that, hey, we're here to not only lend, you know, help you with home ownership, but let's educate you on what you need to do to get ready for home ownership. And let's, let's help educate you on what you do once you have your house. How do you get financing ready? All those things. There's just so many questions. And sometimes I think um, it almost gets oversimplified to the point to where people are like, wait, it can't be this simple. This is the biggest mm-hmm. purchase in my life. Yeah. And this company's advertising to me as if it's just click a button and all of a sudden I have a house. And so we understand there's so much more to it between the time you see our brand on an advertisement to the time to where you're ready to fill out an application with us. There are so many touch points that we want to make sure we have. And so we're, we're trying to be patient in how we educate the the customer and not just um, blanket stuff out there and hope that we're kind of the first ones that they click on. So being very intentional and educational on how we explain what we do. And and I think we have an advantage because while we are primarily um, brick and mortar loan officers and branches, primarily in you know Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, and Kentucky, we also have the ability to serve um, 42 other states. So we're in 46, mm. we're licensed in 46 or 50 states. So um we can have a personal conversation with someone in Tennessee or North Carolina or California and have that same type of like personal conversation with them as if we are in a, in a branch in their hometown. So we want everybody to feel like we're there, we're in your community, we understand what what's going on maybe in your state compared to how things are done in another state because it's not one size fits all state by state. Every market's different. Every every state's got different laws and, and rules and, and regulations that we need to follow. So how do we make sure that we're doing the right thing and, and saying the right things and telling the right information to the customer based on where they are and not just reading off a script? Yeah. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. And 
it, it all begins with your audience, right? It does, you you got to yeah. understand them. What do people need? How do you connect with people in a human way, like a, a, a really authentic way? Yeah, I think in a more succinct way to say it is we want to maintain our personalized touch while expanding our reach. So mm-hmm. we want we are a national company. Like I said, we're licensed in 46 states. We have a NASCAR sponsorship that we just entered this year as an official partner with NASCAR. So we're the official mortgage company with NASCAR and also sponsor Victory Lane. And so how do we find ways to relate that to our NASCAR, uh, to NASCAR viewers and NASCAR fans to say in one of the most appealing things about NASCAR is the brand loyalty. We right out of the gate, we had people reaching out to us through social media, basically just saying, Hey, if you're in with NASCAR, I'm in with you. I'm ready to buy a house. So we could immediately track some, some leads and, and some sales right back to when we announced the sponsorship. But I think what NASCAR does a great job of, and we're trying to make sure that we hold up our end of the bargain is providing insight and personal touch to our um, customers um, because we have that connection with them, whether that's NASCAR, or whether that's a, a sponsorship with IU or Butler or Purdue here in Indiana or with the Cincinnati Reds or Cleveland baseball in you know Ohio, every one of those communities where we have sponsorships and community involvement, there's a reason for that. And it's not just to slap our logo up and say, hey, look, we're kind of a big deal. We want to have that you know, personal involvement with the community. And and like I said, just expand our reach, but still maintain that personal touch that uh, every one of our um, loan officers and loan consultants have. Yeah, no doubt. So this is an interesting time in the housing market, kind of a crazy time, right? A lot of people want to buy houses. It's really hard to find houses to buy. So again, from a marketing standpoint, how do you, like when something like that happens, you know, things kind of pivot, the market changes. Mm -hmm. What's your guys' strategy for reflecting that or responding to that in in your outreach? Sure. Well, first it starts with the sales and lending side. They're the ones who are on the front lines. They're having the conversations with the customers and clients and in real time when these things are happening. So our team on the sales side does just an amazing job. They're led um, by folks who are industry veterans who know and can predict or just have a pretty good sense for shifts in the market and just being ahead of that and then communicating that out to the loan officers and loan consultants. There's, you know, it's kind of a give or take there. Sometimes it may be the sales side who sees a trend or something coming down the pike and saying, hey, heads up, we need to be ready, be ready to communicate this through social media, through, you know, email to our customers. But sometimes we may see something and say, hey, we just read this article. Can you guys interpret how this applies to our business? And then we'll get something packaged up, whether that's an ad or just a a communication through like an email or social media or something like that. So we just want to be on top of it and serve our customers by making sure we're watching for changes. And, you know, right now the big thing that everybody's talking about are rates, what's going to happen Mm, with insurance rates because it, or excuse me, and interest rates because, you know, they've continued to go down and it's just been an awesome, awesome time for people to buy houses. But right now we we're seeing what's happening in the market. I know in Indiana and, and it's not just here that houses are going, not even going on the market at times or they are. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a bidding war for it. And, and so um, a lot of times people are, you know, waiving inspection or just doing other things that, you know, when you talk to our loan officers and our consultants, um, they're going to be honest with you and just say, hey, here's why I probably would be maybe a little more patient or here's why I might jump on that one. So while they do have, they work really closely with the real estate agents on that sort of thing, and that's what they lean on the realtors for, but we can absolutely be a resource. And so to answer your question, how do we, you know, get the 
separate ourselves, we want to make sure that, yeah, we're having those conversations and, you know, letting people know the full situation of here's why the market is what it's doing and here's kind of what it means for you. As far as our communication goes, I think the key things that we need to be, we want to make sure we're being real, um, that we're being authentic. I think everybody says that and it kind of gets yeah. oversaid, but more importantly, it's, or just as importantly, it's being informative, but also just being empathetic. And, and those kind of go hand in hand. When you have empathy and, and understand what the customer, what their concerns are, what their pain points are, then it's really easy to come up with an authentic, kind, and natural answer to them and guide them on that home ownership journey. So that's the approach. I think every conversation that comes through here, at least from the initial part, um, that's the direction we try to take those conversations. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, in, in some ways, that's kind of marketing in a nutshell, any kind of marketing. Just the more you understand really about the people you're trying to sell stuff to and what they really care about, and then just connecting with them in like in a human way, mm-hmm. that's always going to get you somewhere, at least, yeah. you know, the better you are at doing that. I mean, it's not easy to do, I guess, or everybody would do it, but, mm-hmm. but it kind of, I mean, that's basically it, right? Just what do these people really care about deep down? Not what we think they might care about. What do they actually really care about? And how but, can we yeah. simply and humanly connect with them? Yeah, cutting through your own personal biases and understanding, you know, being in their shoes um, and understanding what they're going through is, uh, we had this conversation with our team just the other day about the lie. I never would call myself a marketer. I didn't major in marketing. If someone asked me what I do, yes, my title is Director of Integrated Marketing, but I think there's just so many skills that go into being a strong marketer and psychology and understanding people and liking people and empathizing with people. Yeah. It's just, to me, at the very top of what you need to be able to do and to, you know, to be real and actually have success in marketing. Yeah, no doubt. Now, so you you mentioned before education, helping to educate customers, you know, being seen as, to use another sort of overused term, like a thought leader in the industry. <laughs> it, part of that is you guys have a blog and, you know, it's pretty easy to see just at a glance that you put a lot of time and thought into it. There's a lot of good, solid content on there. And that's not easy to do, you know, to keep producing week after week, month after month, what's the workflow like for coming up with the ideas and writing and editing and publishing and all that? How does, how, how do you manage to do that at a high level? I was really lucky to come into um, a marketing department that had so much of this already done, so much of this groundwork laid on the education standpoint. We have our, one of our website guides and worksheets and the blog, uh, all tools that our loan officers and loan consultants can share with their customers. They're all tools that we can use for social media content, and they're all um, landing pages that we can use for some of our digital marketing. So making sure that we have um, that full toolbox is important. And uh, like I said, I was lucky that it was there. Like I think we've got over 600 blog posts that have been just continuously written over the years, you know, leading up to me being here. As far as that flow goes, we have a content manager and her role is to work with the sales side, work with the other marketing folks to come up with all the topics. And it's not just anecdotally coming up with topics, it's doing keyword research and it's doing, Mm -hmm. you know, our own internal Google analytics research to understand, you know, what posts and what pages are being clicked on the most and what's getting traffic. And then what's happening, what's the flow from when they found that article to where are they going next. We can tell if someone's clicked on an article and then they just dropped off versus someone who's clicked on an article and then went to another one, another one. And then just watching 
that sort of progression of what they're interested in reading. And then we're just trying to develop tools internally here that can just more be more turnkey about recognizing those things and then creating more of that content to match what they're looking for. So that's kind of where I look at us as kind of 2.0 and, and one being prior to creating this integrated marketing department. Before that, it was we had a, a nice, robust, very strong, creatively driven marketing department, created all these blogs and worksheets and tools. But now it's our chance to make sure that those things are out there into whether that's through advertising or through backlinks or however we can get these this wording out there and this messaging out there. It's just going to lift our you know web traffic. It's going to lift our, our reach and engagement on social media. So there's we have a mix of internal writers and we have some external. And we're revisiting that daily. We That's part of you know our overall 2022 strategy is what do we want? What do we want this content to come from? How do we tighten up? Maybe we don't necessarily need a thousand blog posts this year if we can do um, a much smaller number of those, but then take that one topic and then the and then break that up into little bits of content, whether that's infographics or yeah. just um, single infographics. <clears throat> Basically, finding ways to take the content that we know we have that's really strong, but it might be in a you know 800 word blog post, and how do we distill that down so people can get it in small bits and swallow? And we know attention spans being what they are right now, we've got to find ways to uh, get stuff in front of people that they can consume in just a few seconds versus having to spend 20 minutes of their day. Yeah, no doubt. Right. And and certainly a good strategy, I think, instead of starting from scratch every time, mm-hmm. take, take what you have that works and repurpose it, work with it, double down on it. Yeah. You know, a lot create. of our testimonials, we have customer reviews uh, that come through and we see those every Friday. Uh, a lot of testimonials we get and then a lot of engagement on our social media now. Those all actually will drum up new content ideas yeah. based on what people are, you know, if we're getting frequently the same topics coming up over and over on our you know, Facebook message. And let's make sure we have an article about that. Or yeah. if we're seeing in the industry, the same trend coming up over and over. Let's make sure that we put our two cents in how we think that matters with our customers. Yeah, absolutely. So just to shift gears a little bit here toward the end, a couple of quick questions. So what's a marketing trend or channel or strategy that you think is a little bit overrated? That was one I was thinking about. That one tripped me up a little bit. I think, and I don't have like a strong answer for overrated or underrated because I think every tactic has its own opportunities, its own ways that can be used. And every marketer and every company, because we're not all cut from that same cloth, might find uh, value in one tactic more so than I have found in them. But I think um, what I think I could touch on kind of what bugs me about what people tend to go after, which is that okay. attempt to go viral with every post, mm. um, thinking that you're going to hit a home run with this one post and then not having a plan for what you do when you do go viral. So you mm. see a lot of times brands will take off and you're like, man, these guys just became billionaires. They just got rich off this one tweet or this one TikTok. But then you don't hear from them ever again. You're like, you know what? That's because there was no plan. They just swung for the fence. They hit the home run, but there was nothing behind it to lead up to it or afterwards. So we talk all the time and we share TikToks with each other and we talk internally about, man, if we did it this way, we would go viral. And then we always kind of ground ourselves and say, okay, well, what's the ultimate, what are we going to get out of that? Because the last thing I would want to do is, um, you know, do something that goes viral. All of a sudden we go from, you know, you know, a thousand followers to a hundred thousand followers. And then we're not set up from an infrastructure to handle that, or we're not set up with follow-up content. If I, you know, if I add 
or double my you know Facebook following, our company's Facebook following. I want to have something in place that starts nurturing every single one of those additional you know people. So having systems and foundations in place, I think to me is just super important if we're going to have the success we think we want to have, or we know we want to have, and we think we can have. And so not just trying to swing for the fence and then hanging our hat on that. I don't think that's going to be something that you'll see uh, coming out of our strategy uh, playbook. And, you know, good for people who do and they figure out how to monetize it or how to grow Mm -hmm. from that. That's, I mean, that's the the marketing dream, right? Is I I go back to the, to me, one that really jumped out that was done well was remember the Dollar Shave Club video Mm -hmm. came out and it was like, man, this guy just went real. He went raw and he did it in a way no one had done it before. But they were ready. They all of a sudden, were mm. like their demand went through the roof. And I remember reading about how they were ready for that. They were confident that was going to happen. They met the demand, and I'm pretty sure now they're like they sold off to one of the big, you know, primary, you know, mm-hmm. shape companies, and they did just fine with it. So it mm. absolutely can be done well. But I don't know, always makes it being if we're going to be marketing snob, that's the one that I always kind of scoff at. <laughs> it's like, yeah. We can all try to come up with a quirky idea. It's just a matter of luck then once it gets viral. Right. Okay. I like that. That's kind of like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. If if you're not ready for, for the actual success, then that can end up doing more harm than good. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So flip side of the coin, is there like a trend or a channel or anything that, uh, marketing wise that you think is kind of underrated? I think there's a number of ways this can go. I think two that jumped out to me, one is, and you know, it it could fall under both overrated and underrated, which is using influencers for your marketing. Mm -hmm. I think it can be overrated in that you think you just plug some person into it. You're like, oh gosh, this person has 10 billion followers on Instagram. There must be super real and authentic and amazing. Let's just give them the keys to our marketing and hang our Mm -hmm. hat on that. And then you realize, well, they actually paid for 90% of those (laughs) followers through bots and that's not actually real. And they're actually in real life, not a great person. So, and then on the flip side, I'd rather go find 10 people who have, you know, 10% of that person's following who are real and authentic and respected in their, whatever they do, because beyond just what you see on that number that shows how many followers they have, there's actually, you know, real people that are engaging with them. And so give me that quantity or that quality over quantity any day when it comes to influencers. But I think the underrated part is the ability to kind of be sophisticated with it and expand your own business by using influencers. So the way I kind of looked at it before I kind of gotten a little more educated was you sign up the influencer and then all of a sudden their likes become your likes and you gain success that way. But what we're starting to realize and the more research we do and just from talking with people is it's not so much that you're driving an immediate like influencer to let's lift our um, likes and our vanity stats. It's now Google trusts you a little bit more. Mm. These influencers are getting you backlinks and they're getting you engagement with you being tagged or using a hashtag campaign. And then all of a sudden, Google and Facebook, and I hate to just drop those two, but they're really the powers, right? All of a sudden, those two see traffic lifting and you're, you're being linked more and you're being mentioned more. And so that's to us a great opportunity to say, hey, we know we're authentic. We know we can do the right thing and educate customers and be good, be a kind of a good um, company in this industry. So let's make sure we're working with people that have that same sort of mentality and, and respect. And then that's going to be a great way for us to kind of grow versus just, again, going to swing for the park because someone's got a million 
million followers. So I think there's an opportunity for authenticity in that influencer space. It's, you know, I think we've seen kind of a bubble and now people are starting to realize that not, it's not everything. You can't take everything at face value when it comes yeah. to influencers. So, and one other one to me that really mm-hmm. jumps out is it started as VR, but now it's evolving into this metaverse, um, mm-hmm. NFTs and crypto and all that. And I am, I by no means can sit here and carry a conversation trying to describe what any of those mean. But what, what jumps out to me from the marketing side is the story about Nike. They bought this like boutique shoe designer and I thought, oh, that's cool. Well, actually, they only they don't design shoes that you and I can wear. They design shoes for avatars for VR within like the metaverse. Mm. And so they this company, it, so there's this like fourth dimension now in marketing to where we're all going to have to be marketing ourselves in the virtual world in addition to in the real world. Because, mm. you know, for instance, if there's going to be a... It, it, this metaverse thing takes off there's going to be neighborhoods and there's going to be cities and there's going to be (laughs) communities and those people are going to want to buy houses and what does that mean for a company like us to say how do we be the number one home lender on the metaverse (laughs) and also in real life so all of a sudden there's this new dimension of advertising and marketing which has no boundaries has no limits right now and nobody has no definition even so to me that's the one that's like it's scary and i don't know hopefully i get old enough to retire before i have to actually understand it but (laughs) i don't know if that's gonna which one's gonna be faster so we'll see i think that's one we're keeping an eye on and with us being a nascar partner we've had some insight to their approach and and vision for that whole world and they are right in front of it. They're going to be on the forefront. They'll probably be Mm -hmm. the first league to really embrace it and do something with it. And so we're excited to be a partner with them on that and um, see how they grow that and then say, look, we don't know exactly what you're doing, but we know we want to be a part of it. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's wild, isn't it? It's, Mm -hmm. and I mean, it's already here. I mean, I think it's, I myself have, you know, you're, you have some app on your phone, like some game, and they're in-app purchases, and you're like, oh, I can buy a thing for my character in the game. Yeah, yeah. It's only 99 cents. Like, okay, you know, yeah. I just bought a virtual, like, hat or whatever, and now my character has it just because it's, like, and then you think about it, you're like, well, I guess it's not that different than going to Target and buying a hat or whatever. It's It's so weird, and yet it's quickly becoming completely normalized. It is. I mean, but, and I talk about it like it's this new thing, but like you said, it's actually not new for most yeah. people who are in that world. Like I don't, I don't do a lot of gaming. So, but I know my kids are going to be really yeah. into that world and um, just, I, I want to understand it. A for when they start spending all my money on stuff, but then <laughs> also just from a marketing um, perspective, how do we find an angle there and how can we, yeah. hey, can we, how, how do we find an angle? But then also how can we be helpful? Is there a way to educate people through that? Mm-hmm. that route versus them have to go on our website. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's sort of right. It's this whole new, like you said, unlimited virtual landscape for, for marketing yeah. that I think is, 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 hasn't even really begun yet from the marketing side of it. I agree. It, it's, it's yeah. Wow. Interesting time to be alive. No doubt. <laughs> it sure is. Wow. So, all right. Well, Jake, thank you so much for your time. Great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Well, thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate you having me on. And yeah, I appreciate uh, you guys looking out for or catching on to what Ruoff's doing and and noticing that we're, you know, trying to make some noise and and, um, grow and, but also grow in a way that's meaningful and helpful to people. We're not just looking to be out there making money. We're trying to educate people and help people. And that's really important to me. It sounds corny, but it's absolutely why I do what I do. Awesome. 
All right. Well, take good care. Thank you, Jeremy. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.